Ring, ring with Renny Revis. Hello and welcome to the show. We've got someone very special with us today. Someone you may or may not know. But don't worry, we'll explain all the inside jokes. Just sit back and enjoy the voyeurism, folks. It's Ring, Ring with Renny Hey friends! Welcome back. If you're a kid in the U.S., welcome back to school. And maybe stop listening to this show. I really hope your school is still remote and not back in the classroom. It's not that I don't think you can try to stay safe from coronavirus. It's just that I don't trust you. Listen, I asked a girl to pick my nose for me in second grade. And she did it! If you're anything like I was, you're not ready to go back. You might be assertive as hell, though. Credit where it's due. Today's guest is my friend Amanda Meadows. She's an editor, podcaster, writer, human auntie, and cat mom. She's senior editor at Oni Press, focusing on humor and sex positivity at imprint Limerence Press. I met Amanda after writing some goofs for her critically acclaimed indie comedy press, The Devastator. I can keep going. Or I could just let you know that she came down the aisle for her wedding reception to the Space Jam theme song. That just about covers it. It's time to slam now. What's the 411? Here's some info that'll help eavesdroppers better understand our conversation. Amanda's husband Jeffrey writes video games, comics, tabletop games, all the stuff at your most fun uncle's house. Amanda makes a wordplay joke about Nazis that went completely over mine head. I don't want you to miss it, so listen carefully to how she says Nazi in the context of what we're discussing. The 1994 Northridge earthquake resulted in 57 deaths and an estimated 20 billion, with a B dollars, in damages as buildings and freeways collapsed. I was near the epicenter when it happened. To give you an idea of how strong the earthquake was, some of the balconies on the janky apartments down the block just fell off. Kareem is Amanda's little nephew. We refer to the city of West Hollywood as WeHo or Boys Town in the call. Quick and easy guides published by Limerence Press are graphic novels educating readers on topics such as trans identities and sexual consent. They're suitable for older teens, but if you ask me, drop a stack of them at daycares. In Los Angeles, we had COVID-19 test shortages. Labs are reportedly still backed up. Ugh! I meant to say the watch was three minutes ahead, not behind. Ah, you'll see what I mean. That would have saved me a lot of passive-aggressive grunting. Yo. Hey, Amanda. What is Rennie. up? What Rennie. is up with you? What is up with you? Oh, my God. So thank you, first of all, because we've been texting for a minute. And uh, <laughs> I've had such a wild week at work. And I had one of those, like, meetings that wasn't on the calendar because it was, like, a moving target. And then they, like, finally joined the hangout. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> right when I was going to call you. <laughs> but um, doing all right. I feel a little manic, a little uh, optimistic. But oh, also, weird. It's like a rage-based optimism. <laughs> That's like just sort of like, yeah, I'm going to punch my way through this bullshit until well, I pass of, out. Until you pass out? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of instead of rose-colored glasses, it's like sewage-colored glasses. Yes. It's like the they live glasses. <laughs> basically, where you just get to decide whether that's cool or not. <laughs> right. You're seeing horrors before you, but at least you look cool. Exactly. Do you have to do another meeting after this? Yeah, I have a meeting at 2.30 um, yeah. that I have no idea 
how it's going to be. And after that, I'm going to, like, try to actually do my job. (laughs) You know how (laughs) meetings are? Like, the way editing works is all day you are replying to emails. You are helping proof other editors' books as they get ready to go to print. Uh, Mm -hmm. You're filling out forms. (laughs) you're uploading zip files and like also just in so many meetings that like by six seven o'clock I haven't actually edited anything that's when the editing begins (laughs) so uh yeah it's kind of a wild ride especially on Thursdays Thursdays always feel like a wild card day last time I talked to you you had a week oh yeah it's just like (laughs) there are just a lot of deadlines and then there are a lot of consequences for having missed those deadlines and uh you know it just means books have to get pushed back you like move a release date out so that is something that's happening a little bit and you know it's uh it's all covid related so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we're like great we managed to produce any books during a global pandemic uh yeah a crazy time and starting a podcast uh soon so uh that's not going to take up luckily too much of my time but it's going to be really fun um jeffrey and i are doing it together oh cool Uh, what's it going to be you and jeffrey a friend of ours reached out like with the podcast concept that they already had and wanted us to host it which is something we've literally never been asked to do before and i've never Mm -hmm. expected to be asked that but uh it was really funny idea of reading and reacting to an old dime store novel from like post-world war ii that is just so strangely written puzzling characters and every kind of problematic thing you can imagine Uh so so yeah so we're doing like kind of you know we're reading and just tearing it apart as we're reading it is the hook about just this one book or are you going to visit other problematic books yeah it's going to be like a book a season we're reading uh, this one book for season one each episode is a chapter and then there'll be some some time (laughs) passing (laughs) and then uh, at some point a season two with a different book funny what's it called Uh, it's called Murder in the Glass Room it's like you can't find it anywhere there's like very little trace of it but it does have like a weird history and it was almost made a movie with Humphrey Bogart but it fell apart in development or something (laughs) so yeah very very strange anyway (laughs) that's cool I have a friend who just started reading uh, Love in the Time of Cholera why I thought it would be like a quicker read but the levels of being offended got in the way oh my god I didn't even consider that it's not woke in the time of cholera it's sexist and racist I mean yeah of course it would be all the things I'm realizing now I never actually read love in the time of cholera and I don't particularly desired to (laughs) I don't want to hear about anybody enduring a plague or disease right now Love persists. Okay, that's great. But not now. Yeah, and like, if I'm going to, it's in short doses, you know. I mean, like, we're both marginalized identity-laden babes. So, uh, you (laughs) know what? Like, yeah. So, you know, there are, like, things that you do want to know. Like, I have been reading a lot about, you know, just what Black folk have done in, you know, previous plagues uh and pestilences and just kind of thinking about it in the canon of oh boy our people have survived so many apocalypses up to now and this is just yet another one 
Um, oh, yeah. yeah. People, the people thriving are in places of privilege. Right. Just like me. Blade, blade bear. Mm-hmm. We can see it. It's so clear as day. Yeah. It's a black light. We see everything. <laughs> now. If you're pretending to not see it, you just look like a Nazi. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know? It's just yeah. like not cute to pretend you don't see what's right in front of you. Oh, yeah. Like seeing um, homeless people keeping their distance from each other is just such a mind fuck for me. It's Wearing masks. so fucked up. Like how much homeless people have had to take on the onus of every element of basic care that should be afforded them. Like it is us. They should have access to sinks and toilets and showers and washing machines. (laughs) You know, it's not a game. And the Mm -hmm. mayor and the LAPD are definitely treating it like one. And the homeless people are doing everything they can to protect themselves and each other as a community. And, you know, our law enforcement is actively, like, sabotaging those efforts by, like, stealing their stuff and throwing it away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. Anyway, uh, this is a fun conversation between friends. That's cool. Definitely not living in... <laughs> a health state. That's okay. <laughs> it is reality. You said you've been reading about all these things that Black folk have endured. I wonder if there's any specifics you saw about pandemics and if there was something specific that you came across in terms of contagion and being safe, getting the type of protections that aren't afforded. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to learn from. I mean, like influenza in 1918 um, places, you know, the most marginalized places at that time were the ones who were taking it the most seriously um, Mm. and but were being failed by, you know, where they lived. For example, Philadelphia decided not to shut things down and so many people died. Wow. By contrast, in St. Louis, they took it very seriously and did a lot of things much earlier and saw way fewer people die. And then, you know, there's a lot to learn from like the Ebola outbreaks and various parts of Western and Central Africa. But I mean, the most important takeaway is mutual care, I think. Like the idea of a community taking care of itself and protecting itself as a collective, like together. Like, oh, yeah, we are all putting these rules together for our village. Now, you know, Ebola is actually kind of hard to contract. You really do have to come in contact with, like, blood. Mm. So it really is, like, a matter of don't, you know, nick your finger at the butcher shop. Like, it's very easy for something to get into the supply, but it's also not that easy. It's not in the air. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot of the things that Western medicine have tried to bring to the Ebola outbreak have been helpful, but... I mean, it was the stuff that they were doing all along that was preventing it from spreading. Yeah, Yeah. community action as opposed to individualism and looking out for yourself. I mean, this is not how you fight something. Yeah, I mean, we've been trained to be uh, individuals in a race against everybody. And that mindset doesn't help us right now. It's hurting us. Yeah, I live in an apartment building with like a bunch of people. It's like 10 units. I'm I'm, like on speaking terms with maybe half of them. We talk and then there are others who are just like, 
<laughs> they couldn't care less who their neighbors are. And I'm just like, what, what happened? Yeah. There's an earthquake. Our shitty building oh, is yeah. going to fall apart. We need to know how to take care of each other. Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, 1994 earthquake in Northridge was yeah. a, a pretty traumatic memory for me. But what would that be like now without our sense of community? I lived in a condo. And everyone was helping each other. The power was out. We all Mm -hmm. camped in the courtyard. We laid on the floor because our places were so dangerous, filled with broken glass and uncertainty, you know? Um, Right. But, okay, we went to the bathroom in the bushes. And it was just the way it is. Like, we're here. (laughs) We're here to help. Who has flashlights? Okay, there's a bush. We're all going to look the other way. Can you imagine that now? I can't. It's hard to imagine. I mean, especially like, right? Like, we live in WeHo. You know, it's a place where neighbors are like friendly to each other. But nobody's like, it doesn't seem like people are tight. Um, And (laughs) there's definitely a growing class divide in my immediate block because the two blocks below me have over gentrified to a point where all of the cute little cottages have turned into these like monstrous apple store looking <laughs> motherfucking McMansion. <laughs> it's like, just like immense. and like that fake sticker wood. Uh yeah, just so much glass and the frosted glass is especially hilarious to me. Like these houses look like the offices of real estate companies. <laughs> Like, why would you want to walk into a house that feels like a business? It's like the aliens in 2001 A Space Odyssey wanted to create a neighborhood instead of just a house. And they saw some buildings on Earth and sort of made a house and put a little fake wood there. They're like model homes by people who don't live there. (laughs) People who don't live in houses is what I mean. Right. I don't know that many people who live in houses, (laughs) honestly. And the ones who do, I know are people who had some form of generational wealth helping them get that, Mm -hmm. like securing that home. So, you know, it doesn't feel great. (laughs) I mean, I've been in the same apartment for 10 years because I've got that rent control. So I've got that good, good. uh Like, it was 11.75 when we moved in in Mm -hmm. February 2010. And, yeah, it's been like 10 and a half years. And we're now paying like thirteen hundred. That's amazing. I can't. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, it's how I can afford my smoothies. <laughs> I can be a little bit more of a bougie bitch because I'm not spending Good. half my income on rent, and that's but, such a fucking luxury. I'm very fortunate. Yeah. The price of your rent is like some deep valley roommate situation where. <laughs> There's three bedrooms and you all share the same bathroom. That's the kind of price I'm seeing. Yes. Everything (laughs) is that. It's so sad. Also, like, just the one bathroom thing. I mean, it's just me and Jeffrey here. And sometimes I'm like, I need a bathroom for myself. (laughs) Nothing impresses me more than multiple bathrooms. You could tell me you have a chateau. You could tell me you have a tennis court. My eyes will just glaze over. And if you tell me there's multiple bathrooms, I emit audible joy. Like, Oh my god. And double sink? Oh <laughs> I get wet for a double sink. Like a real good double sink that has like a nice little bench area vanity between them. Wow. Got you, that lap, lap yeah. Thing. 
Yes, I'm totally laughing. And like <laughs> that and like a dishwasher, also like baller. I've never used it. I feel like, wow, I've made it big time. And then I would just wash my stuff by hand because I had immigrant parents. It's yes. just, we can do yes. it better than a machine. They always say that. And like, <laughs> they're right, but sometimes I just don't want to do it. And I'm okay yeah. with having to scratch off a little crust on the side of the plate <laughs> if that's what it takes. But like, yeah, my mom. Um, for the like short years that I did have a dishwasher, my mom was the type that was like, you actually clean it <laughs> entirely, <laughs> basically, before you put it in the dishwasher. Like, why am I even putting this in the dishwasher? Why don't I just dry this and put it away? You know, I would like start by rinsing it, you know, and you're scraping <laughs> the casserole off and you give it a rinse and then you think, oh, this is good. I'll put it in. No, keep going. Man. Bring out the brush. And then my mom's like, nope, this, you forgot this. And I'm rubbing. And now it's just completely clean, bone clean. It's like cleaning for the housekeeper. We got to clean yes. up here. The housekeeper will be here in five minutes. It better be spotless. Yes. Oh, my God. You would never leave a mess for your housekeeper. Like, <laughs> no. Unthinkable. Like, that's truly, like, my mom's thing, too. And that was how <laughs> she was raised by my grandma. They had support at their home. There were, like, aunties who were just basically always there. And what? just, like, oh. In Morocco, you, right? You in Morocco? Yes, in Morocco, yeah. And, you know, we're a big hospitality country, so it's very much, like, is everybody comfortable? Yeah. Is everything clean for everybody? That's what my brother said when he went to Morocco, is that it was so courteous. Like, you come into somebody's house and you have seven plates come out and there's, like, a little fried fish and a dip. No matter how long you're there, like, you come by for five minutes, here you go. Yes. It does not matter what they actually think of you at all. <laughs> they will, like, invite their enemy over and give them the same <laughs> care and attention and good mint tea. Thank you. Have some tangines. Oh, tangines. Oh, sorry. Thank you. No um, Yeah. So it was always just like everything has always got to be clean. Uh, and my mom was threatened like, well, my grandmother used to actually bring out the white glove. So you're lucky. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I'm just using my eyes. <laughs> you know, I've got a little astigmatism. You know, it's just like, all right, I'll take what I can get. Fuck. Hey, I think your mom's eyes are just as scrutinizing as the glove, though. Yeah, they always are. They're seeing right. shit that ain't fair all the time. No. Like, that's not anything. That's a scratch. It's not. Oh. How is your family, Amanda? Your okay. nephew, Kareem. Yep. Uh, he's the funniest and smartest little, like, Spider-Man type kid. I mean, he's just, mm -hmm. he is Miles Morales. It's just so cute. Okay. I love him so much. Yeah, my sister is, you know, doing the quarantine hustle, like doing home catering, doing, oh no, you know, like home mail designs and shipping them off. And like, oh wow, uh, yeah, she makes these incredible cookies. These like dope, colossal cookies uh, that Ooh. you can like buy off of IG. Villain eats. Uh, yeah, so I feel like she's like just grinding, grinding to survive. Mm -hmm. I feel like we all are to some extent. My dad is retired though, and he's trying to enjoy that even though he can't go anywhere. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, and like he actually was retired before he declared he was retired, but 
He yeah. called it retirement once he started getting the government check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now he's officially retired. Now it's official. <laughs> so yeah, it was fine. My mom is hanging in there, just you know, trying to read and you know occupy her time as also a retired disabled person who's not really yeah. able to go anywhere other than the store. <laughs> a lot of us right yeah. now are retired unless the money yes. stops coming in. Then there's no perk. Exactly. We're involuntarily retired. <laughs> <laughs> our timeshare is just our house. Right? Yeah. It's the timeshare is like the closet that you put like a little <laughs> hammock in. <laughs> How is Jeffrey? Jeffrey's good. And we're both strangely thriving professionally right now in a way that I feel like who have this awkward uh-huh. thing where it's just like, well, I'm getting all the right kinds of challenges at work. I'm working on some projects that I'm really proud of. And yeah. um, I still have my job, which I also wasn't sure I would have at this point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I'm feeling really grateful. And Jeffrey sure. is also feeling really grateful because he is writing multiple games at the same time. And Whoa. yeah, and has been just like talking to so many fascinating people who just did the virtual game developers conference, aka GDC thing last week. Um, and it was like crazy to overhear how many cool things were in the works with like him or people that he was about to work with on a new thing. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's he amazing to be like really, um, really happy. Like, we're both being challenged right now. Like, nothing's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have these things. It's <laughs> like more than a lot of people have. Yes, I feel insecure about sharing anything good right now because there are people yes. who are trades people. They have to work in groups outside, close together. Yes. That is integral to their profession and I do feel kind of insecure about sharing any kind of successes when I have friends who are just shit out of luck. Yeah. They can't work at all. Right. Like, I just don't even care about that lifestyle game (laughs) on social media either, where, like, I don't really post on IG anymore. I don't feel like there's anything to show off or celebrate. And anything Mm. that I do feel like celebrating, I feel simultaneously guilty about. Like, Yeah. yeah, so it just doesn't feel appropriate like why why would I what do I gain from showing that off in a time like this yeah I'm with you it just feels Mm -hmm. wrong I don't want to shame anyone for like Mm -hmm. living out loud and showing how fucking amazing they are every single day because I'm on Instagram (laughs) looking at your post (laughs) I'm just not really posting on my own because I feel simultaneously insecure and guilty about it like you said yeah I'm feeling that hard for myself so I'll take it (laughs) (laughs) I'll take on the burden of feeling bad about posting stuff because I had the best gig of my life this week. Oh my um, God. And okay. So 2020 is a used diaper and it's on fire <laughs> and it's on a dead baby. Like this diaper doesn't get any worse. No. I, it's like I found a diamond in it. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God. I was also thinking diamond. I was like, oh, but there's like a couple diamonds somewhere there's, in the poop. Look, I've, I'm a babysitter out of work. I kind of miss the changes, but so much <laughs> like not so much those details, you know. But for some reason, I sifted through and I found this diamond and I posted pictures of myself at DreamWorks yesterday. Yes, I and saw I, that. And I'm like, yeah. what? What is that? Yes. Well, I am too. I completely don't believe it. I am 100% a baseline pessimist. 
<laughs> you can't surprise me if I see this movie and the character is Drew Barrymore. The part that they right. gave me, I, I'm in total disbelief about it. But I'm sort of rationalizing it like, well, what's the point of Instagram for promotional purposes? I think I have to share something in my own style that's funny, but there's so much injustice and horror everywhere. Yes. It's like... Do I do the sandwich technique? You know the sandwich technique? You you give someone a compliment and then a yes. criticism and then a compliment. Indeed. Everyone I'm, loves the sandwich. So I'm trying to do that with social media, but backwards. Like, isn't this horrible? Hey, so this was cool. Isn't this horrible? <laughs> if that makes it palatable. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, everything is wild and bad. Everything. <laughs> so, like... I have just been so focused on myself, like, within the walls of this apartment. I think at some point, I don't know where it was. Maybe it was probably after, like, the third breakdown, like, in April. (laughs) You know, where it was just, like, oh, God, there were so many phases of (laughs) mental breakdown. And then June, I think I emotionally blacked out all June. So there are some repressed memories in there. Oh. <laughs> God. So, like, that was the closest an uprising has ever been to my home was in yeah. June. Like, they burned down the fucking pet grooming store on Melrose. Yeah. And it was, yeah. like, amazing. <laughs> I was the only person in the crowd of neighbors who was cheering it on. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the anger and injustice in Technicolor. There it is. At some point in the midst of kind of tumbling into panic holes, dread holes, uh, (laughs) depression holes, I realized that this was a great moment for me to block out, like do the work to attempt Mm. to block out all of the like external shit that Mm. preoccupies me and keeps me doing what's good for me. You know, know, like all the obligations and Mm -hmm. dumb business trips and stuff like none of that is happening this year. So Mm. that's a whole layer of social and political strategizing and anxiety that's like completely been taken off of my plate for the year. So I'm putting that energy that I would have put into like going to comic, yeah, going to Comic Con, (laughs) for example, and doing Mm. two panels a day, portfolio reviews, working the booth, uh, you know, then having have enough energy to go to the after convention dinners and mixers and award whatever and all of that stuff is fucking dope and fun but it is like you have to bring like a whole other like some kind of generator of energy with you this has really forced us all to focus on what's really important with so much extraneous life situations that we get preoccupied with just taken away yeah we got punished and now you don't get your game boy right <laughs> like literally sit in your room you're grounded yes it does feel like that and you know that can be a good thing like i feel like having all of those things blocked out those aren't possibilities it kind of empowers me a little bit to look within a little bit more and be a little bit more self-directed. I'm just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm recovering from a lot of childhood trauma, like everybody, including a very like codependent relationship with my mother that lasts for a really long mm. time and, mm. and definitely like shaped the way I see 
myself and I am someone who's as a result like kind of an extreme people pleaser and something that I feel like I've done the most work to figure out like am I giving out of pocket or am I giving Mm -hmm. like you know with relish out of my heart yeah Um, are you just placating people out of necessity or because it feels good right something you want to do exactly like how can I find a way to be myself honestly and still Mm -hmm. have like a give and take relationship with this person and that's like kind of helped me put my friendships in better perspective put working relationships in better perspective um yeah i've just been reading a lot um a lot of audiobooks that's that's a big accomplishment to just get through a book right now i know for me it's a little bit of an escape like i do Mm -hmm. there's this part of me that likes to intellectualize things as a way of escaping feeling the things and i think books are actually like a great way for me to do that the books you're working on right now they're primarily nonfiction, right yeah I've got kind of a weird mix right now where I have a lot of like the sort of eclectic mix of shit I like. So I've got um, wild, strange, obscene comic from uh, (laughs) Branson Reese. And then I've got adorable, cute, mid-century styled sci-fi adventure for children (laughs) coming Uh, out like next year. And but then I'm also fully taking over our queer LGBTQ gender studies and like sort of sexual wellness imprint. You're fully taking over it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, to some degree. And um, so I've <laughs> been working on like a bunch of stuff. Um, that's been exciting, and a lot of it is nonfiction. Uh, we, we're kind of famous for doing these quick and easy guides, so I've got a lot more of those in the works. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's like, I guess we're working with urgency. You know, uh, yeah. people need guides to all of these things because, oh boy, especially the old, you know, <laughs> God love them. But the reason why our quick and easy guides that they've ever pronounced so, so well is because people literally have to buy boxes of it to disseminate at their offices, at hospitals, mm-hmm. especially at hospitals. People are constantly dead naming and misgendering people oh, yeah. in hospitals. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, like trying to meet the needs. Wonderful. Then yeah. But in addition to meeting the needs, I also want to make fun shit for people with more marginalized identities who just want to have fun and not keep being re-traumatized. Um, mm-hmm. I, the goal isn't to be making books for outsiders looking in, you know, stuff made by queer people for queer people. So yes. uh, there's a lot more like original stuff coming through in the next few years too. That's great. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the stuff I've been working on. And that's like the optimism I'm clinging to. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it's really easy to feel like I'm a comic book editor in a pandemic is what I'm doing helpful at all. (laughs) Like another thing I'm sure all the entertainment people might have is, you know, like we're all all here in LA. Most of us and our mutual friends are doing similar things and feeling weird about it. Totally. Are you seeing friends? Like distance hangs? Honestly, Jeffrey and I have been so averse. We've been really, really conservative about it. Like just really scared Mm -hmm. of potentially hurting someone because we haven't been tested. And Mm -hmm. even like because of the way testing is going here in LA, like I think the closest testing center is like all the way in downtown and oh for you yeah yeah. and so it's like we even need to drive 40 minutes to wait in the line to see if they would even give us a test because 
you know, they kind of are doing this need-based thing where it's like, if you don't think you've been potentially exposed or in contact with someone, that you're not as much of a priority. I don't know if that's still true or not in August, but that was what I was hearing from friends. It's all just a pat on the back. It's something that we all should do. And making priorities something like that is just, it's canceling out the dire necessity of having everybody know their status. Yeah, exactly. If, if, you, if you are socializing with anybody at all, mm-hmm. if you're not quarantined and you're not staying away from people, then all everybody, everybody should know. Everybody should have a test. Oh, my God. Yeah. I also think it's kind of silly that so many businesses are taking temperatures at the door as if that's how you know. So silly. Chronic- my temperature have- goes up all the time. I have chronic pain, and let me tell you, Tylenol makes your fever go down if you took it for a backache. So you go into the bank and getting your little temperature read, and they let you in, and it's there to make us feel secure, and it's so not. Yeah. Your temperature goes up all the time. Is there a medical reason, or is it just something you see throughout the day? No. Like, if I... I don't know if my thermometer's just broken, by the way. It could just be that my (laughs) thermometer's broken. But, like, I usually run a little cool, like, 97.9 or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you're ovulating, your temperature goes up for, like, a week. We're nice Uh, and warm. Yeah. And during my period, I sometimes get a fever that I have to, like, take Tylenol for. I don't know. I don't think I have any kind of infection or anything. But it's really easy for me to get hot. I hate being hot. (laughs) I think it's a thing. Um, I can handle it. And I think it's genetic. I remember my mother would just. She had a hard time sweating. Like, it was not easy for her. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Whoa. Um, All of my anxiety comes out of my pits. I was, it was just so hard in high school. (laughs) Always having pit stains. Oh, Everyone has their thing. Like, someone's got the gross braces and someone's got the bad shoes. (laughs) And they didn't have what they needed. At any point in high school, we didn't have something that is now easy to get that we needed at the time. Like deodorant, Toms of Maine wouldn't cut it if you have more of a glandular issue or, you know, I had bad skin, I had ugly insurance glasses, like all these things that would be such a boon in high school. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would bring deodorant with me. Yeah, I, I you know, because it was just like, oh, God. I mean, I don't have the same problem, but like when puberty hit me, it hit me hard and fast. <laughs> it was just like suddenly I had like double blue <gasps> boobs and I'm covered in sweat. Oh, <laughs> right. Rad. You got run over by the boob truck. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Um, nowadays, I don't really, uh, what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about temperatures. Right. Yes. I don't like any of this health theater. I'd rather just stay <laughs> home. Health theater. See, capitalism can still work here. <laughs> See, here we go. Earlier, <laughs> you mentioned earlier you have the temperature that fluctuates, and then you said, I don't know, maybe my thermometer is broken. <laughs> that reminds me of a boss I had who had a seething hatred of me. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't put my finger on why I never got the vibe he liked me, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I find out that, well, he admits this to me. He should have taken this to the grave. He admitted to me that his watch was three minutes behind and I always walked in the door two minutes late. (laughs) He just reminded me of this stupid 
reality that I had where I would come to work and he just <laughs> just kind of hated me a little bit. Uh, Something as simple as a watch that's a little slow. It's so like <laughs> tiny. Two minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. My first ever publishing job was like this. It was like, you need to be at your desk by 8.30 a.m. And mm-hmm. if you aren't, everyone will make a point of it. <laughs> or like, <laughs> look at you. Shame, so, shame. Yeah, it was frustrating because I only lived like we hoed of Beverly Hills via Santa Monica Boulevard. It wasn't that hard of mm-hmm. a commute, but it's, you know, the most congested section of Santa Monica it Boulevard. Is. So three minutes late and the receptionist would be like, don't worry about it. You know, like, <laughs> I'll tell her you were already here. You were in the bathroom or something. God, the hours I've spent in my life being stuck in that area in traffic. Oh, just sitting there yeah. in the middle of Boys Town, <laughs> watching everyone have fun, doing in your, I know I'm going to be late juices yeah. <laughs> at the red light. Yeah, the there's time. nothing that feels more like pushing you out of the car. You will just roll out of the car with that kind of late energy. <laughs> like you want it to come out of you and push all the other cars away. Just imagine like a Reiki energy ball. <laughs> yeah, I so have good. that fantasy. Yeah, at some point we'll figure out how to harness crystals toward this end. Thank you. They haven't come through. Crystals have not come through. I'm sorry, ladies. Sorry, Marianne Williamson. Yeah, I'm sorry to gender this, but sorry, ladies. The crystals <laughs> aren't working. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, all the ladies, gaydies, <laughs> and vadies out there. Vadies. Oh, it's the vadies. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, shit. It's already almost time for this other work meeting. Boom. Well, thanks for taking a, a meeting break for another meeting with me. <laughs> I would never call you a meeting. <laughs> okay. This is absolutely a conversation. Awesome. A cool friend. <laughs> Love being on the phone. My greatest fantasy is to get together with friends at a restaurant. That's my hottest fantasy. I go to bed and... Yeah, and, Jeffrey and said this. Oh. Bring it out on the table with my friends. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like a big rotisserie platter. Oh, my oh. God. To go to Hot Pot oh. again. To go to KBBQ again. Oh, my Dip. God. You want to try this? Let me just lean over close to you. Less than six feet away. Yeah. Let me yeah. drink out of your cup with oh. my mouth on it because oh, we are yeah. all fluid bonded besties. <laughs> Like, I missed that, too. Jeffrey also tweeted that yesterday. He was playtesting a barbecue-themed RPG, which I personally <laughs> think is amazing. But... Uh, what? It, yeah. <laughs> so cool. I mean, he was just like, it's so great that I get to play this because my ultimate fantasy is just eating outside with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at. Grill party. Yeah. Hottest game of 2020. What is it called? Can you share that? Oh, gosh. It's a demo. It's not out yet. But when okay. it is, I will tell okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so good to talk to you. Love you, okay. Remy. You too, Amanda. I miss you. You too. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're working on yourself and working on your stuff. Sounds Yay. Fun. <laughs> you sound great. I hope you're doing good. I'll find more diamonds. The diamond in the poop. Yeah, I hope diamond. you find a few more diamonds in that diaper because Aladdin. <laughs> You've had a good week. I want more of those for you. I'll try and fight the imposter syndrome like traffic in Santa Monica. That's Bye. right. <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. Take care. Uh, Greetings from too. the valley. <laughs> Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by monstrous Apple Store looking motherfucking McMansions. I know I'm going to be late juices and the bad shoes. Please stay on the line for our next episode with DJ Corpse Wrangler.